Hey everyone, Becky from The Shift Team here, and we're back with a new mini episode to help everyone with some quick listens to get great ideas and tools for gymnastics. A guide to evaluating extension-based back pain for medical providers. Unfortunately, lower back pain is very common in sports like gymnastics, dance, cheerleading, circus, and more. Usually, the backbending motion and impact forces create issues, and it can be tough to figure out what is going on and how to help. In this mini-podcast episode, Dave breaks down the most common patterns that he has seen by treating hundreds and hundreds of athletes with these types of issues. Hey everyone, how you doing? Welcome back. My name is Dave Tilly. Super excited to have you here. We are going to be talking about a very popular topic that's been requested. We're going to be talking about back pain, but particularly the type of back pain that comes when you bend backwards, which is extension. This is one that the medical providers really wanted to know more about. It's from my social media channels. I treat a lot of gymnasts and dancers and softball players and basketball players for back pain that involves bending backwards. With this in mind, there's a lot of things I think I often see as you know maybe not getting looked at or people are just staring at the back, which is very important, don't get me wrong. But unfortunately, sometimes that we just look at the back and we miss, maybe there's another area that is not moving enough that is not getting its adequate mobility or strength, and that is causing the back to backbend more. So we're going to review this all a little bit more in depth today. Without further ado, the six areas that you need to be thinking about when you backbend, and this is exactly what goes through my head when I interview somebody for evaluation, their subjective eval, or I'm doing something, I'm thinking about, okay, what is happening locally at your back that is maybe irritable? Is there a soft tissue structure? Is there a joint structure? And there's a lot of talk out there between the biomechanics and pathomechanics world and the pain science world. I use them both. I've studied them all pretty in depth and I think they're both overlapping, but I'm trying to figure out what is causing your lower back to hurt. Is there a specific structure? Do we need to make sure you don't have a stress fracture or a spondy fracture to rule out? Or is it more just irritable and stuff like that? So in that position, I'm looking at, okay, what's the back? There's a couple forces we'll talk about, right? And then I'm trying to look at, okay, what's happening above the lower back and what's happening below the lower back? Things that I need to think about looking at and screening out because chances are when someone's going to be modifying their activity for some time to let their back feel better, if there's a large mobility issue in one of these areas or a huge strength deficit in one of these areas, we're going to want to use that time where they're not super active in their sport or their daily life to try to clear up some of those problems that we'll talk about. How do we screen for these things? So first things first, we have to think about when someone does bend backwards, there's kind of four levels of an irritation you can have Okay, in terms of the actual back bending pain on what's called the facet joints. Okay, so you can have midline pain, right? which might be a spinous process impingement where those two spinous processes actually bump into each other. It's called kissing spines. Okay, you can also have some irritation of the joints on the outside of the back, the facets, which close down together and cause some irritation. That can happen from a lot of back bending, like in gymnastics or ballet. That can happen from a lot of rotation and bending together, like swinging a baseball bat or throwing. That can also happen in hockey. That can happen in tennis. A lot of sports have this, right? But if it's more straight extension-based and their pain is in the midline, that's probably going to be more the spinous process. If their pain is more extension and rotation together, that might be the pars inticularis facet kind of together. You can kind of have those two things as well. And then also sometimes might have just straight compression loading. Someone who jumps and lands like for volleyball, for example, or basketball, if they land an extension with compression, that might be more of like an end plate issue. It could be the joint as well. It could be just like the facet joint gets irritated, causes some muscular spasm. The nerve might be irritated as well, but that is typically another kind of type of force you want to look for, right? So how do we screen for these different things? I like doing locally at the spine, depending on what I think is going on. 
the screens over here for more of the pathology-based stuff. So here, right, I'm thinking about doing for this direct extension, I'm gonna be doing multi-segmental extension, which comes from the SFMA, but just standing and backbending. I'm also gonna be doing a press-up test. Have someone lay on their stomach, push up with their hands as tall as they can, see if that causes pain in their lower back and the midline, because that might be those two finest processes pushing together. For more of the PARs, the facet, right, we might do a pretty classic test, right, so a stork test, where they stand on one knee, bend, and kind of come back, and you give them some overpressure. We could also maybe do a version of this without gravity as involved, which is going on your elbows, hand behind your back, and turning that person up to look at the ceiling and giving them some overpressure and seeing if unilaterally you have some pain on one side, right? That's gonna be a prone on elbows test. And lastly, you can do a joint PA shearing test, right? So what you do in this test is you put one hand across their ASIS in the front, the other hand is on their opposite sided lumbar spine, and you're pushing forward on a vertebral body, like a PAR segment and pulling back on the ASIS, and you're kind of shearing that motion into extension. You're essentially poking and irritating a set joint or what may be on the actual stress joint as well as something like be irritated on the extension-based mechanism. A PA shearing test is another way to kind of do that unilateral extension or rotation. For the end plate, that compression, right, what we're doing in this situation is a heel drop test is typically good. So they push up on the balls of their toes and they drop down really hard and you see if that force into the ground can cause some compression irritation that might aggravate their back, right? So that's a heel drop. Okay, another test I like to do to confirm this as well is going to be a seated compression test. So in this test, they sit on the edge of the table, kind of in a kitty corner on the angle there. They grab the table below them they arch as much as they can and they pull down into the table and again it mimics that compression in extension so say if someone's having some jumping and landing pain that might be something that could be useful as well so a seated compression test is another way to kind of look at more of the end plate possibly being irritated or maybe it's extension and compression together this might just be straight back bending extension this might be extension and rotation this might be extension and compression together so i use those tests to figure out what do i think what structures are involved right and also what's the sensitivity level of that person if someone can't even move and they're very irritable. I work in a direct practice access. So they come directly to me sometimes and they can't do a press up. They can't move. They can't do it. And they're having back pain. I usually send them to a doctor for an x-ray and MRI just to make sure they don't have a spondy fracture or something like that. Okay. So this video, we're not going to dive into specifics of how do you treat spondies just in the axis of here of what we're looking at. If someone's really not that irritable, they're kind of irritated. They're kind of not, they're doing okay. I might work with them for a couple weeks before we send them. So now that we have that, when we look above or below, I'm trying to think in my head, what is making maybe a couple of these segments, L5-S1, right, or the thoracolumbar junction of a T12 to L1, what's making those segments move more in a hinge? Is there another area that's not being made up for, okay? So the first thing that I typically look for is going to be the shoulders, right? So I'm looking for overhead elevation, right? And the way that we're gonna do that is we're gonna lay them on their back. After they put their arms over the head, we see them maybe limited, lay them on their back, rotate their arms all the way up overhead and see if they have limited elevation. Okay, the big things that we're kind of looking for are going to be maybe a joint-based issue or maybe a soft tissue based issue, right? So we've had other videos talking about overhead elevation that we'll link here, but essentially I'm gonna do some joint capsule testing, right? To see if they have any laxity problems there, or some scarring, and then I'm gonna look at some soft tissue, right? I'm gonna look at the lat, I'm gonna look at the teres major, I'm gonna look at the pec, all that kind of stuff is going together. Maybe a little bit of a combination of both there. So I'm gonna screen out the joint versus the soft tissue and see why don't they have overhead elevation quickly related to also the T-spine, right? The T-spine needs to extend and rotate. So we might do a, a thoracic spine clearing test where they curl up in a ball, hand behind the back, 
back turned to the ceiling and just isolate the T-spine and see how that goes. We might also do a seated rotation test on either side to see if maybe that is something that's showing up as an issue. So again, we would probably work on that together of a joint mobility, maybe some soft tissue stuff. Also keep in mind that both of these things can be strength or control issues. So maybe that person doesn't show their full motion when they're doing their skills, their back handsprings, that when they're throwing or running, it could just be that maybe they're mobile, but they don't have enough strength or control. You'd want to test that out as well with strength testing and watching live video of active motion versus passive motion. So maybe for T-spine, they have plenty of motion when they do it side to side and press up, but when they do an actual skill, they try to throw, they don't use that T-spine motion. That's going to be more of a control uh, situation or some sort of strengthening or capacity issue you want to work on. So we'd look at the overhead elevation on the table. We'd look at the T-spine extension rotation as well. Okay, for the hips, we'd want to figure out why the hips maybe are extending or rotating, right? So we might want to do a Faber test to see if maybe they have some hip extension related problems where they can't abduct and externally rotate. Could be a hip joint problem itself if they have a cam or pinch or lesion or something like that. Could be an anterior pelvic tilt issue where they're so over arched that they can't hollow into their proper mechanics because they're stiff or they're not in really a strong core or active core. We've had some videos about that as well on core training we'll link, but maybe they don't have that ability to posteriorly tilt. They run with a big arch, they throw with a big arch, they kind of do a back handspring with a big arch and it puts pressure on their back. Maybe they just need to learn how to control that motion. Could also be an adductor soft tissue problem, right? It could be someone who's very stiff in the pectineus and the shoulder muscles of the adductors, pulling them into an over arch and that's they're so stiff they can't hollow and get that space to really protect their back. We check a favor. We also check a Thomas test, right? And then also the joint can also be an issue. So you would look at x-rays with that, right? You can also do a Craig's test to see if they're retroverted or anteriorated, right? So soft tissue is going to be favor and Thomas. Look at the quad, look at the TFL, look at the hip flexors, the adductors, the joint and the x-ray along with a Craig's test. Craig's test, you lay them on their stomach. You palpate the middle of the greater troch and see where it kind of is looking down the middle. Normal, some are like 11 to 13, depending on the research that you read. But I think eight sometimes is in there as a norm as well. But you're essentially seeing if they're super antiverted or retroverted, that's going to affect their ability to turn in, turn out, and extend. Okay. So we would use all these tests. And obviously, based on what you find, if they can't extend their hips when they backbend, we want to work on the soft tissue. If it's an issue where they have a joint mobility issue or a structural issue, we want to teach them how to modify around that with different foot positions or maybe when they're doing skills. But we're going to figure out can they backbend from their hips equally as much as their back, right? We'd like to see all this motion being equally spread out across the bend. I always teach people ideally 25% from the shoulders, 25% from the T spine, 25% from the lumbar spine, 25% from the hips. And I would go through this evaluation and I would look at these different things and see why maybe they don't have that. Okay. So that's usually the main part is looking at the what's happening pain wise here, which type of force is bothering them, what's going on with their thoracic spine and shoulders above what's going on with their hips below. Okay. If everything is still cleared, I'm not really seeing something jumping out at me. The next thing I'm going to look at is the ankle. I want to see someone have enough ankle dorsiflexion. So if they squat possibly for their sport or they land, they're not going to be limited in their ankle and they're going to arch their back more. Okay. So we would use this. We would do a half kneeling dorsiflexion test. So we want to make sure that somebody has the ankle mobility to absorb the forces properly in a squat. If they're very, very stiff in their ankles, they might anterior pelvic tilt and drop more pressure on their lumbar spine when they land. Okay. The forces are extremely high in sports like gymnastics, volleyball, basketball with the landing forces. So you land like that. You're not really prepared for it. It can draw your back. It can give you a problem and irritation of one of these structures. So I would look at a half kneeling dorsiflexion test, obviously work on what we find there, whether it's the calf, whether it's the ankle joint, maybe modify around some of their lifts to make it a box squat or elevate their heels temporarily while they do stuff. And lastly, specific to gymnastics is if they still have an issue, I also want to look at the wrist. So I might do a quadruped rocking, right? Gymnastics is a weird sport where you do a lot of stuff on your hands. So you might need to get a full 110 degrees of extension of your wrist. If someone has very stiff wrists and they're going to go back to the beam, they don't have that motion. They don't want to crash on their head or they don't want to tumble and land in their head. So they might not have the shoulder motion to work with. They'll arch their back more to make up for that limited wrist flexibility. Don't want to go super crazy in depth and bore people. We'll do a part two if people find this interesting, but this is how I screen people and look at the different
different things that might be causing extension-based back pain. Keep in mind, something we didn't talk about is that it could be that someone's very hypermobile, they have plenty of motion, they just need strength and they're just doing too much, right? It could very well be that they have a ton of motion and they're fine, but they're doing a ton of their sport. They're throwing a ton, they're hitting a ton. They're doing a whole bunch of new volleyball practices and jumping and landing. They're doing a whole bunch of back handsprings and gymnastics. They spike their training volume really fast in a short period of time. They maybe don't have the strength or the technique down and that might be a big issue as well. So technique, programming, and proper control is gonna be very, very important, especially in the younger ages. If we just do too much too fast, we're gonna have a problem there. So really watching your program is crucial if you wanna make sure you have these things long-term. We'll keep it up there for now. If something's really useful for you, we can break these things down more. I can talk about how I treat these things. I can talk about what I would do in a five-phase rehab program, really based on what you guys wanna learn. So this one was asked for, so I wanted to do this one first. But if you enjoyed this, drop a comment below and let us know what you would like to learn more about related to extension-based back pain, flexion-based back pain. We can do a whole bunch of other stuff too for medical providers. But Hopefully you enjoyed this mini podcast episode. Let us know if it was helpful and if you have any suggestions of what you'd like to learn about next. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to that episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it. I just wanna let you know before we sign off here that a couple things we'd love for you to do. So one is please just make sure that you rate and review the podcast on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you're listening, because that really does help the episode grow quite a bit. And then second, if you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you left us a review as well and told us what you liked about it. You know, what information was useful, what things were not useful, would you like to know more about, what guests you wanna have on in the future. And then also as you kind of go about your day, if you found something really useful, just toss it up on social media. We love to hear from people on Instagram or Twitter or, you know, all the different websites that they're using for social media. Facebook is great too. But yeah, let us know what you like, because honestly, the podcast comes from people who just tell us what they're finding useful. And that's how we create the next set of content. So yeah, tag us in the podcast or tag us online, whatever you're doing it and uh, let us know what you think. Thanks.